Welcome to the Asian Flush podcast, a podcast that discusses today's challenges and experiences from a European Asian point of view. I'm Janet, broadcasting from Copenhagen. And I'm Simona, broadcasting from Bangkok. We are your Western portal into the Asian Western world, giving you a glimpse of what goes on in the mind of these not-so-rich but surely crazy Asians growing up in the European West while being raised with Asian values and beliefs. So last month, we discussed all the things our Asian parents didn't teach us. But this time, we definitely want to come back with all the quite interesting things that our parents taught us about being Chinese and Chinese culture. But let's start with our awkward truth today. And I think it's a great way um, to let our listeners know, Simona, how we actually met each other. So if I can just start, we actually met each other digitally about, it might be 15 years ago, uh, on a web page called Party Peeps 2000 which was kind of the Dutch Facebook, but I want to say cooler. Uh, and I think that we started following each other there. Your name was Sambo Mevrouw, which is like chili lady. And my yeah. name was Bami Soup, which is like noodle soup, because you have to say noodle soup is the best dish out there. Yeah. Um, but we <laughs> both lived on the completely other side of the country. So I think that you lived about three and a half, four hours away from where I live. Yeah, something like that. Super yeah. far away. Yeah. So we kind of knew a lot of the same people digitally, whereas perhaps I think that I've um, hanged out with a lot of them and you just followed or hanged out with them digitally since you were living so far. I was actually your uh, your super scary stalker in a way. <laughs> I can remember that we, well, we as in Janet and I met up like two months ago when we were both in Nanas with a mutual friend of ours, Randy. Uh, we're going to make Randy listen to this podcast. But she also said that you were one of the popular girls and you always hung out with the popular oh, guys. I definitely so, was not one of the popular girls. Just okay, but okay. Uh, putting it we out had there, yeah. that opinion of you that you were a popular <laughs> girl. And somehow uh, me and my digital stalking behavior, I stumbled upon your profile. I thought this is a cool girl and these are some cool guys that she hangs out with. <laughs> so I'm going to follow this girl. So that's like, you have maybe an entire different view of how we know each other, but I already knew you, Janet. <laughs> <laughs> this is such a crazy opening up now. <laughs> it is. And I also just remember because we talked a little bit about um, university as well, because you wanted to do the same study that I was already studying uh, yeah. at that point for one year. Um, and I actually also remember the first time that we met each other, which must have been one of your first days going to uni in Rotterdam. And I yeah. remember seeing you um, at the tram station and I was contemplating like, hey, should I say hi or should I just pretend that, you know, I didn't see you? And I actually went over to say hi, like, hey, I'm Janet, a.k.a. Bami Soup. Aren't you someone, Frau? Yeah, I can remember that as well. I think I also saw you and I also know that my 15 younger me would never just step step how do you say that approach someone and yeah. then just say hi so i think in my mind i already decided i'm not gonna say hi i'm just gonna pretend i don't know <laughs> you so i'm really appreciative for you taking the first step there to introduce your digital self to well the real the real time you and the real yeah. time me for me from reading up <laughs> yeah i mean the rest is history we have been friends ever since right yeah yeah it's crazy so it's to think crazy. about this so we have known each other for quite quite a bit now yeah, and, and also that our friendship started digitally, which yeah. nowadays is so normal. But I think back in the days... You make us sound like we're old, though. But I also think that one of the things that connected us from the get-go um, and one of the 
kind of the, the, the red thread through all of the podcasts as well, is that we definitely had a similar upbringing, you know, growing up in a Chinese takeaway, um, having kind of these crazy parents that nobody from a different background really understands. So I think that, you know, just coming back to, to this podcast and talking about the things our Asian parents taught us, uh, it's quite similar, actually. Like a lot of the things that we've discussed preparing for this were, were quite similar, right? Yeah. So I think that, that one of the uh, the main things that we often talk about, like how kind of the relationship is with your, your, your parents and, you know, the relationship that I have with my parents compared to, for example, our Dutch friends. Yeah. So how do you, what is the biggest difference that you've seen there? And what did your parents teach you about, you know, uh, the family home, just taking care of each other and also the roles in a family? Yeah. So I think that, you know, the biggest difference comparing you know myself and how I view you know the future also with how I want my relationship with my parents to be is like I think that Dutch people or perhaps Caucasian people for them it's really normal to put their grandparents or their parents in the um, in the how do you call this beyond it's a house an elderly home an elderly home yeah an elderly home I think you know, as soon as they can take care of themselves anymore. Whereas I think that we are very used to, even though I've never actually lived in a situation like that, but we are very used to the idea of that you will take care of your parents and you just move them in with you um, and they can take care of your kids, you know, their yeah. grand, grandchildren. Uh, um, but you will never actually put them away into some house and they would be taken care of by somebody else. No, no. I've been raised exactly the same. I can still hear my mom saying when I was four years old, you uh, you better not put me away in an elderly home. You better yeah. take care of me when you grow old. And I also see that now back um, uh, with my my boyfriend and me, where he his grandma is living in an elderly home in the Netherlands, uh, t- being taken care of like really well in that in that what is it called El- elderly home? I still yeah. keep calling it elderly home. Whereas my grandparents in China, they just have their own. They live in their own homes, and um, they either have people in their houses coming mm-hmm. to take care of them or they have their kids living with them or them living with their kids together um, and, and being taken care of. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that it, it is just funny to, to see, you know, that even though we've lived so far apart, there's so many things that are quite similar. Um, and another thing that we discussed about as well, like one of, one of the biggest memories that I have from my childhood is, you know, having, dim sum together with the entire family and you know all my mom's friends on sunday and you did a pretty similar thing as well with your family right yeah that's so crazy um yeah well we live three or four hours apart yeah, yeah. every sunday was kind of holy you would you would go yeah get up and you'd have dim sum dim yeah. sum at a local chinese restaurant and i know that the kids at my school would be very surprised they would they would be like are you going, you live in a Chinese restaurant. Why are you going to another Chinese restaurant to eat? But dim sum is just like an entirely different kitchen. It's like authentic Chinese food, whereas we just serve Western Chinese food to our Western friends. Yeah. Um, But yeah. And did you guys or your parents also did this kind of ritual dance where they would make you say like where they would say to the kids like hey make sure that you get the bills because we're gonna pay and we don't let you know our friends pay for the bill yeah every time every time when we go out together you would always have like even like they would come up with these weird strategies where my mom would 
just go to the toilet with her bag. And in the meantime, while going to the toilet, she would have paid for the bill already. Um, just to make sure that we paid for the bill and not the other party that went out for dim sum together with us. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so funny. So, like, we, we had a similar childhood just four hours apart from each other. Um, and I think that also just coming back to food a little bit, one of the things that I know that we have a very hard time with whenever we are together is that we always have this feeling of that you need to finish everything that you ordered so, or even what you made. So we always need to have like clean plates. Um, and on the one hand, I, I can understand it because, you know, both of our parents, they come from um, very poor upbringing. Like, I guess they knew what hu- real hunger is. So I understand, you know, they don't want to waste anything. But I also know that for you and me, that we have a hard time to just say like, hey, we're full. Let's stop eating. Yeah. Well, that doesn't that actually doesn't exist i actually <laughs> also just experienced this last week again i went on holidays with another friend of mine she is dutch i'm chinese we went out to eat together for seven days and every time she she would reach the 50 percent of her plate and she would say oh i'm actually full i will stop eating now whereas i my chinese mind would tell me no you need to finish that plate and yeah if you can you'll also finish her plate yeah exactly Wait. <laughs> it's and then, crazy you know, and there's even like a, a hierarchy of the things that are most important to eat if you are stuffed like you know you eat the seafood first yeah. and then you'll go to the beef then you go to the chicken and if you're staples really for still... the last yeah exactly yeah. yeah that's crazy yeah so about hoarding and hoarding about food maybe there's also a good segue into how uh, our parents also hoard everything in the house Jana what is your experience with that oh my god my parents are the biggest biggest hoarders i hope that my sister is listening to this podcast now because she definitely knows so my dad doesn't throw away anything we have a little shed in our backyard that is just filled with empty boxes so he would just for example buy a tv and then he will keep the box because you never know what might happen with the tv Um, (laughs) yeah and i actually you know have you seen this whole marie kondo on netflix yes the, the art of tidying or whatever it's called uh, I, I, I I started it, but I think I actually uh, I stopped after ten minutes. I, I couldn't. I, I mean, I, I really like the show. I really like the book that she uh, uh, that she has as well. Yeah. But it also inspired me. And I was in the Netherlands, and I actually said to my mom, like, "Hey, you you have so many nice outfits. Let's just like throw some stuff out that you don't wear anymore. Yeah. Uh, so we can really highlight what you do have, and you can see, you know, whatever you can wear." And it was a struggle. Like, the struggle was real. It was so hard to throw things out. And, you know, in the beginning of the, the day, she started quite lighthearted. But at some point, I was just laughing my ass off because she was showing me two shirts I haven't seen her wear ever. And I told her, throw this out. And the longer we went on with doing this, the more grumpy that she became because yeah. she had such a hard time with throwing it away. Do you think it's emotional value or is it maybe just going back to, you know, those communist days and maybe there's going to be a communist revolution soon again in their mind? Yeah. And they just want to hoard for when that moment comes. I, I guess I guess it also just comes from this whole fact that they had nothing. You know, when they moved to the Netherlands, they had absolutely nothing. And for them growing up, I remember them telling like the only time that they would get new clothing was during Chinese New Year. And I think that mm-hmm. was pretty similar for your parents as yeah. well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think that for them, they know how it felt to have nothing. So now they, they can actually afford to, to buy stuff. 
They just and want to keep it. everything. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and hoard it. And I don't even think that they see it as hoarding. We see it as hoarding. They just see it as a collection of their wealth, I guess. I think the term doesn't even exist in Chinese. Probably well, my not. Chinese isn't good enough. But for them, that like the entire entire existence of hoarding, yeah. Yeah. It's just having enough stuff in your house. But so, but so how is it in, in, in your uh, house and how, how your parents are throwing out things and not uh, throwing out? I actually, uh, my parents aren't that much of hoarders. I know my family is, the rest of my family is, but my yeah. mom keeps everything quite clean. And my, my dad actually, I actually posted this on Instagram yesterday. That, oh, I saw uh, that. Yeah, yeah I saw thinking, that. Thinking about, back about my dad, my dad can get super aggressive in a way on a monthly basis whereas where he will throw away everything on his pad that he thinks has no use in life so he would throw away my books just study books from from school he would throw away voting papers because he couldn't read it um i came back to the netherlands this year and i was looking for uh, edgar or my boyfriend, he urged me to to find some, what is it, sports supplies. I think it was a biking helmet. And we, we stored it in his garage. And then I, I couldn't find it. And he told me, oh, yeah, that, I threw that away. I think um, that, it was unnecessary. That just seems to be so random, though. Yeah, like... he has very, yes. It made me and my mom very mad uh, when I was younger. Um, I now just strategically store all of my stuff, knowing that my dad has these outbursts of cleaning or throw. Yeah. Actually, not even cleaning, just throwing away stuff. Yeah, I think they're in that way they're a little bit different than all other Asians or Chinese because I see when my my grandma cannot throw anything away. Even, we're not even talking about you know shoes or clothing or anything else in the fridge. There's stuff in the fridge oh. that she holds and that's like still from two years ago. Yeah, uh, one grandma is even worse than the other. Like she she hoards cookies and it's everywhere in her house and her her fridge is not even a fridge. She has two fridges. One fridge is an old <laughs> fridge. And she got a new fridge for my dad. So the the old fridge became a storage space. She didn't even want to uh, throw the fridge away. So the the second the first fridge now is functioning as a as a closet. That sounds so yeah, Asian. It's crazy. Yeah, it's yeah. super Asian. Yeah. Yeah. So just talking about this whole, you know, what is it for us to be Asian or Chinese? Did your parents teach you a lot about you know where they come from how they grew up your heritage pretty much um uh in a way i think yes so they would talk about the uh, the bad days that you had back in china uh where everything was um they they didn't have enough of there wasn't enough food there wasn't enough money um uh, there were there weren't enough clothes. Everybody's helping out each other. Um, in a way, yes. You also learn the values that you need to share and that you need to care about your community. And I think it's not that they really talk about it, but you feel how they instill that value on you. It's yeah. about taking care of your parents, sharing with the community, um, um, not necessarily being very proud of where you come from, but just knowing where you come from, being aware of where you come from. Mm-hmm. I think some other cultures maybe uh, highlight that more in a way to be proud of where you come from and represent your country. I think I that I have to a lesser extent. I just know where I come from and that we have different values. And I think our parents kind of when they brought us to the Netherlands taught us that 
you can be different because your parents come from somewhere else and you have different values, but that doesn't mean that one culture and its norms and values are yeah. better yeah. than the other. How I do also you, think yeah. that they, How, they yeah. didn't really even think about that, right? They didn't think about racism. They didn't think about another place in society compared to, you know, the kids that we grew up with, for example, our, our, our Dutch counterparts. Um, no. And just thinking about, you know, just racism on its own. Like, I don't think that our, my parents are ever bothered by people saying, like, you know, ching chong or like when they say ni hao. No. But, you know, it, it pisses me off to the fullest when people come over and they just say, like, ni hao to me. Like, dude, yeah. I was born here, raised here, just speak Dutch. <laughs> but, and probably your Dutch grammar skills are even better than theirs. Okay, sorry. <laughs> this is maybe a little bit arrogant, but I just sent me- Janet a message today where I had um, correct my Dutch peers is spelling mistakes, whereas I'm a foreigner. Um, but are, are, are we though? Like, are we foreigners? I don't think so. Like, you know, you we were both born in the Netherlands. We were raised pretty Dutch with kind of this Asian background. Um, but for me, like, I probably feel more Dutch than I would ever feel Asian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, definitely. Like, if people would ask me, are you Dutch or are you Chinese? I would say I'm... Yeah. I'm Dutch, but when it comes to what is it, a theory, how it's being labeled, the mm-hmm. label is that we're a foreigner. If one of your parents or your parents, that's true, both yeah, of your yeah, parents like you're are, an immigrant, you know, you're born yeah. in, in, abroad, then you're yeah. a foreigner. Yeah, you're Dutch immigrant. Terms. Yeah. So yeah. Well, that's our label in a way. Yeah. Yeah. But also so, coming back to racism, um, I think maybe because in China, our parents weren't raised with different races that they, it, everything everyone was the same right and also from well, a I governmental mean, perspective yes and no the same. i guess perhaps uh it's easier for you to say that because you are from or your parents are from mainland china i can't see though that there are there's also a hierarchy of how chinese or how asian you are whereas you know when i when i talk with my friends in singapore mm. you know they, they they will kind of talk down on countryside china people um, and then you know even like my co- my mom's co-workers that are most from uh, from Hong Kong they will also have an opinion about you know if you're from Taiwan or something so mm. there is still a certain um, classification which they see as very normal but in our eyes I think it's pretty racist as well true that's true and actually um, I think Indian culture also has that very strong right with the different caste, caste mm. systems yeah yeah so probably yeah yeah probably so that that theory then doesn't go up <laughs> <laughs> okay um, so yeah one of the uh, the bigger topics that you know when, whenever i'm together with my my mom in in the city there will always be a lot of you know other older ladies and they will come over and they will ask like oh are you married and do you have kids already to be fair my parents never say stuff like that to me and they also know that they should never start saying stuff like that to either my sister or me um but do you think that coming with the background that we have, that there are other values of what it means to be in a family, what it means to have a family, or even like just the time frame, for example. Oh, I think that is so strong in my family. Um, so I'm 31 right now, and I think already starting from age, what is it, maybe 23, 24, my parents started asking or probing me about relationships, about... Uh, 
finding a right husband, finding the right boyfriend. And then once I got a boyfriend about probing me about, okay, when are you going to get married? It's time for children. And now, you know, now I'm, I'm actually engaged, but now there's a lot of pressure about you need to get married and it's time for children. Time is running out and grandma coming up with excuses like, I don't have a lot of time anymore. I want to see grandchildren yeah. or saying things like, hey, um, I'm not really sure when you're going to get married. So I actually want to give you your wedding gift now already, <laughs> just in case I'm not there anymore. That kind yeah. of stuff. So that, like, that, on my side, that's super strong. But so what do you feel like they taught you then about just kind of family values and um, yeah, well, I think that's, like, I actually watched a show on Netflix. It's, uh, what's it called? Sex and Relationships. It's a BBC documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's one episode about Shanghai, and I could actually uh, really relate to that episode. In a way, you also see the beauty of it, where people really care about taking care of each other. It's it's that collective part again, you know? Yeah. You taking care of your parents, of your grandparents, but then also if you have a kid that your parents are going to take care for, of your kids, that's going to be their... Well, one of the topics that was being discussed in that documentary is that people in China, they retire super early. So I think the 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 normal age for men is 55 years old and for women yeah. it's 50 years old. Why? So they can take care of the children of their children. Which that is, is it's amazing of, though. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of beautiful as well. And my mom says the same. She's like... Don't you worry about um, who's going to take care of the kids if yeah. you if, if that is your biggest worry because I'm gonna be here and even though we have the restaurant you know we're gonna sell the restaurant and then yeah. we'll just make sure that we'll take care of your kids so there's definitely a a beautiful side to that that you know True. that they really care about you and I think for them family value is so um, it weighs very heavy and family. Having a family is part of being happy. So in a way, they just want you to be happy. Mm-hmm. And having a family, a big family or kids is an indication of happiness to them. So that, that is amazing. And I think the beautiful part again, the, the funniest anecdote that I have regarding, you know, uh, parents saying that they can take care of your kids. So I always struggled, you know, with the whole idea of uh, reproduction, because honestly, I don't really yeah. like kids that much. And I had a discussion with my mom about this, like, I feel like I'm still a, a big kid and I haven't really ever felt that I'm grown up enough to be responsible for some somebody else, for a human mm-hmm. being. And my mom actually just gave as a solution and she was, like, I thought she was joking, but she definitely wasn't. She just told me like, hey, if you ever want to have kids and you're fed up with them, you just ship them back to the Netherlands and I'll just take care of them for a couple of years. And you know, when they talk and when they're fun, you can get them back. And she was... <laughs> for real like it wasn't a joke and i was just yeah. listening to her like wow mom this sounds crazy but then you think about you know when when you think about uh, all these chinese workers that work in shanghai or in beijing that is actually yeah. what they're doing their kids stay you know back in the countryside together with the grandparents and the grandparents take care of them yeah and all they do is just work in a big city and you know uh, send money back home so there is even though it sounds crazy perhaps for us having grown up here in the West, but it is a beautiful way of how people take care of each other within the family that we perhaps yeah. don't really know anymore in, in, in the more uh, developed world. In the more individual countries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Exactly. Yeah, I think, I think maybe we are lucky in a way there that we are getting best of both worlds, having a safety net, but also having 
uh, a family that really worries about your family and your yeah reproductive health in a way <laughs> um True. talking about family and taking care of each other um we thought about maybe also ending this podcast with um how life ends so what is your experience or what what have your ta- uh, parents taught you about ending of life um, to be really really fair i don't think that i have a lot of experiences with that and i don't think that my parents have taught me a lot about it uh, since both my grandparents, grandfathers, um, they already died before I was born. And also, I don't think that I've ever had a very strong connection with our family abroad because we are the only uh, family in the Netherlands. Mm. And then obviously, my entire uh, family on my mom's side is scattered all over the world, but primarily in Hong Kong. And then my dad's family is in Singapore. So mm. I've never really had a lot of experiences with, you know, close ones dying and we actually having to be there. But I know that you have read, I think that one of the things that we also discussed a lot last year, like how beautiful it was for you living in Shanghai, being close yeah. to your um, elderly family. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so like on the contrary to you, I actually have been very close to my grandparents in China. We would go back every year. And then, so I've also experienced... Uh, both of my grandfathers passing away and, and I was there in a way. So that was beautiful in a way that I could actually physically say goodbye to them. Um, but I think the beautiful part, and I also posted a, a blog post about it earlier last year. So I also posted it in uh, together with the podcast later on for anybody who's interested. But one of the most beautiful parts I think is that there's an entire ceremony. Uh, a, a funeral doesn't last for a day. It lasts for a couple of days, three or four days. And mm-hmm. everybody, like, all the... the We have families scattered over the entire world. So everybody would fly in. But not only the family, the villagers where they live in, they would also come out. And on the day of when they're being... They're being um, cremated and buried on... Uh, well, where my parents come from in Wenzhou. So they would have this entire mass, this... Um, the village would come out and people would dress up in white. And so you have maybe around 200 people walking around the village uh, in traditional clothing just to send off the people who passed away. That's beautiful. Uh, yeah, there are rituals about, you know, uh, burning paper and burning fake iPhones and burning fake yeah. cars just to g- give that as a parting gift to the person who passed away. Um, there's a beautiful routine, actually, or ritual attached to it. And it also gives you... Um, a kind of deeper meaning or a deeper connection to the person who's passing away. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel that sometimes in the West, you know, it's a, it's a day of a, it's a day of mourning and funerals. And of course, there's more, there are more days of of mourning, but you keep it more to yourself, yeah, and to to the close family. Whereas in in the East, I feel it's the entire village comes out and everybody needs to know about it because we're it's a very communal thing. It's a collective one part of community just passed away and everybody is is um sending that person away so yeah in a way very beautiful i can definitely see how that is a beautiful thing that your parents have taught you that uh life is not only about the living part but also about how it ends right yeah yeah and it's i think in a way it's maybe reassuring or not reassuring it gives you a good feeling that there there might be a reality where we keep on living on after death because oh, i like, like that yeah yeah you know it, it, it's very dark 
to think after oh my god this this podcast now is also turning too dark so i think it's time to end <laughs> it soon but just one thing that there's maybe more than only death i think that's a beautiful part as well yeah yeah well that is perhaps the best way to end this conversation as well having talked about the ending of life um we still have a lot of different things in the, the pipeline we're, we're we're thinking about perhaps changing our name from asian flush to takeaway kids because that is pretty much what connected us from the, the get-go mm-hmm. um <laughs> i don't know if we were so good in recording a podcast every month we try to do that but let's I keep th- on trying yeah we kind of did because now it's january we started kind of three three months ago so yeah. it's been one podcast a month yeah we were keeping it very flexible and fun yeah so for everybody that's still listening here i think that we will be about 30 minutes in we would love to hear from you like who listens to us did you made it all the way to the end uh do you have any feedback but also just like hey what what are your what are your experiences with your your background whether you have an asian background or from wherever you are we would love to hear from you um either on social media or you know give us a text give us a whatsapp whatever um i think that is it for this month yep well this month is already over it's the 31st of january so actually we can record a podcast tomorrow again jan (laughs) i'm pretty sure that we won't but we can yeah we could (laughs) yeah all right thank you for listening and as janet already said send us your feedback um we'd love to hear from you and till next time till next time bye guys Bye. bye